Today's scripture is from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 5. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negeb, and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zor. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brian. Join with me in a word of prayer. I truly ask for your presence to be with us in such an unmistakable way in worship today, God. We ask this time to be where we feel your spirit move us, move through us, claim us, and send us forth with joy and purpose. Anytime my words or anything in this worship service get in the way of us experiencing that, help us still to feel your presence come around us. And, and if you can use anything that we offer, anything that we bring to this worship service to your glory, we ask that you would enhance it. All of this is yours, and we want to be your people and trust you for this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Arrivals are such a joy. After a long journey, there's nothing better than finally getting to that place where you make the turn and see your destination at the end of the block. When you almost get there, the preparation for the journey and the experiences of the journey can start to be laid down. You know there are going to be no more missed turns, no more road stress or road rage, and no more hearing in your own mind or from the back seat, are we there yet? Now, if the destination that you're headed to is brand new to you, the journey is filled with a great deal of anticipation and wonderment the closer you get. I remember the first time I went to India, uh, first time I was on a plane, 22 hours, and on that long flight, I was wondering, what's it going to be like when I get there? And then not long ago, uh, relatively speaking, when Laura and I went to Switzerland for the first time to see our brand new firstborn grandchild. And the wonderment of what's Switzerland going to be like? What's Leah going to be like? And what are we going to be like with her? All which were exceeded in their expectations, by the way. Now, if the destination you're headed to is a familiar one, uh, a comfortable one, then at the end of a journey, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but the closer you get, the more <sighs> sigh and relax you feel. The shoulders release, and you know you can almost get there, get home, and get comfortable in the love and the peace that you are anticipating. There are other kinds of arrivals, too. If the destination you're headed to is taking you back into a place of brokenness, 
the tension begins to build the closer you, over, you get to your destination. I, uh, I was talking with a man once about his family life, which was extremely broken. And he talked about his commute from work, and he said, every day when I left work, I knew the closer I got to home, the greater the anxiety and stress built in my gut, and it began to ache the closer I arrived home. End of journeys can be welcome reliefs, joyous celebrations, or times of great sadness. Well, today we come to the end of a five-week journey. It's the final Sunday of a five-week exploration of this exodus and Moses leading the people on this life as a highway theme. And along the way, we have confirmed a few truths. We have discovered that when you are lost, you may in fact be in the place where a new journey and beginning awaits you. We have talked about the fact that there are things that you just need to leave behind and lay down if you're going to move forward in your journey, and there are other things to pick up that you can take with you to make the journey that much better. We've talked about the fact that on almost every road trip and journey, there are moments of disappointment and setback, and even in those moments, we discover later on, they can become the best stories to tell about the journey and looking behind you. Now, if you want to hear about any of those reflections, you can find them, the sermons on the website, clarksonumc.org, to pick up things we've been talking about. Today, though, I want you to receive this as an encouragement for wherever you are on your journey, whatever journey you may be living and experiencing in your life. And as I've been thinking a lot about journeys recently, I've discovered that whether you are at the beginning of the journey, in the middle, or near the end, there is a common question that we ask in one form or another, and that question is, this is it. Now, when you begin your journey, you may be asking that in the form of the question, is this it? Is this where I need to be? Is this the path I should take? Is this the school I should attend? The person I should marry? The friends I should gather around? Is this the neighborhood we should live in? Is this the church I should join? A lot of questions that we begin to wonder because we know somehow instinctively that whatever our next steps are, they will set in motion the future that we will live out. Is this it? We wonder, are we making the right choices? And in the middle of our journey, we may discover ourselves asking that question, that wonderment that sometimes comes in a moment of challenge, when things have not gone the way they should, when we say, this is it? This, this is where we're supposed to be? This, this is what this is going to look like after all we've been and all we've gone through and all I've done? This is it? Or there are other moments of certainty where we can proclaim with conviction when we look around and life is good and blessings are real and we know the presence of God and we can say, this is it. This is it. This is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I hope for. This is better than what I hope for. I don't know where you are on your journey or how you would phrase that question, whether it's a wonderment, a frustration, or celebration. But today in this story, today in the journey, we come to the end of the story of Moses and the story of the Exodus. Now, here at the end of Deuteronomy, this is a pivotal place in all of Scripture. It is at the end of the first five books of the Old Testament we call the Pentateuch, the books, the law. And these five chapters become the five books become the foundation for the rest of the biblical narrative. 
for the rest of the Jewish tradition and history and for all that is the foundation for the Christian faith ends here in chapter 34. For the journey is over and they're about to go into the promised land. Forty years waiting to get there. They're about ready to go in and Moses gets the word, you're not going in. You don't get to go in. You've been leading the people for 40 years, but not you. You don't get to go, they get to go. Now, that seems unfair. And the more you begin to try to figure out why God would not let Moses in, it gets even more unfair. If you go back to Numbers chapter 20, and I know you've been reading a lot of Numbers lately, <laughs> but if you remember what it says in chapter 20, God tells Moses to, to, strike a, uh, to speak to a rock and let water pour out of it to give fresh water to a thirsting people. Instead of speaking to the rock, Moses strikes the rock to get water to come out of it. And it's just saying, instead of saying, God is going to give you water the rock, he says, we are going to give you water out of the rock. And for that, Moses can't go into the promised land. For that reason, after 40 years of faithfulness, 40 years of leading people through the journey, 40 years of putting up with this stiff-necked people, 40 years of working so hard to be faithful to God and growing in faith, he has a bad afternoon and he's out of the story. It reminds me of something Francis of Assisi wrote once in one of his prayers. He wrote it this way. He said, God, sometimes I don't understand you. Do you understand? Ever had a moment where you thought, this is not right, this is not fair, this doesn't seem to make sense to me? Anyone else? Well, Moses is right there. He's at the foot of taking a step into the promised land, figuratively speaking, and they're all ready to go in, and because of a bad afternoon, because of striking a rock instead of talking to it, and instead of saying, God, he says, we, it's all over. Now, you can imagine that over the years, there have been a lot of biblical scholars working really hard to make sense of this. There have been even more preachers working really hard to make sense of this. You know, they go places like, see, anytime you put yourself up in front of God, you, you get yourself in trouble. Anytime you don't follow God's directions, to the specific letter of the law, you get yourself in trouble. Trust me, I've been reading a lot of those sermons. And after all the work biblical scholars have to try to make sense of this seemingly great injustice, here's what I think is the best conclusion. I don't know why. I haven't got a clue. It is bigger than I can understand. And perhaps that's one of the key lessons of faith here. We oftentimes get into spots in our life where God is not acting the way we think God should and we call foul. We say, God, this isn't right. You didn't consult me. If you just listened to me, it wouldn't be turning out this way. Anyone else? And what I find really interesting in this story is that Moses does not complain. Moses, of everyone who ought to be able to say, are you kidding me? I put up with this stiff-necked, I mean, with this stiff-necked group of people, and now I don't get to go in? 
He doesn't complain. Which shows you the change that's happened in Moses. From the beginning of the journey, where God says, I want you to lead the people, and he says every excuse as to why he can't, I can't do this, I'm not capable, I, 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 I. So now at the end of the journey, when he's not allowed to go in, he doesn't say, but it's not fair to me. It's not. No. He doesn't complain because his understanding has changed. His relationship with God has changed. And it's illustrated by what happens next. God says to Moses, you can't go in. All the reasons are probably bigger than you can understand. But you can't go in, but I will give you a vision. I'll let you see what the promised land looks like before anybody actually steps foot in there. And so what you just heard Brian read to you is this opportunity that Moses has to see this vast promised land before anyone gets there, how wonderful it is and how faithful God is going to be in keeping his promises to the people. You see, Moses has decided to let go of his own need to validate God by how God affects him and instead invest in the people. Moses is all about understanding. This is not simply about me getting my fulfillment. It's about God's will being fulfilled in the lives of the people I've invested myself in. And that's the story here. That's the joy of this moment. Moses is able to understand God is bigger than me. God's will is bigger than my life. And my life is fulfilled because everything I've been working towards will happen by the glory of the God I serve. No, I won't be in the promised land. But he discovers the people he's led will be. And he discovers that the journey itself was his gift. The journey of transformation that occurred in his life was his gift. His change in his self-perspective, his change in his understanding and relationship with God, his change in relationship with his people he didn't want to lead to the people who were carrying his hopes and dreams after he would die ahead of him has changed. And in the journey, he's found his joy, he's found his meaning, he's found his salvation. And that's where we are today, to receive the invitation that Moses and God give us out of this story. We are called to understand the joy in life is found not only in us getting our way, but being part of God's larger way. That's why we're here today. After spending a week or a month or a life of trying to get ultimate fulfillment by accomplishing my goals, the things I want to do, the desires that I have for my life, I begin to discover my greatest joy is discovered by those who I'm walking with on the journey. I begin to discover that everything that I had hoped for may not come to pass in my life, but is coming to pass in the community in which I've invested, in which I've been invited, and where I'm finding salvation and hope. New members today who join, four of you the service, others earlier, and the more to come, are discovering what many of us already know, that this walk with God is never intended to be a solo walk. It's a communal walk. We're in it together. And in the togetherness, we'll discover things that we could never have known on our own. My walking with Andrew in these, first, these last few weeks is supposed to be about him getting an award, but I'm the one who's been blessed. I get Andrew to interpret to me how much God and Jesus love him. 
and it has renewed and refreshed my soul. I couldn't have that if we weren't walking together. And there are others of you in this room right now who understand this intimately well, that your faith journey would be far weaker and less vibrant if you did not have the encouragement of friends around you in this worship service right now, in this community of faith, and the experiences of this community of faith. On Thursday mornings, I'm in my office, and I see the energy pouring into the church of women who are coming in to do a Bible study together. And those are in that Bible study will tell you of the energy and the love and the commitment they have to be there with each other because it's making a difference in their lives. We're offering a class this Wednesday night on the Bible of Scripture, and in that I'm trying to teach folks how to approach Scripture, how to, how to make this book, which some think is so difficult to access, more accessible and a delight to share in. You're welcome to join us. But it's those moments that we grow in faith, and you can't do that on your own. You can't worship on your own in the way in which we're able to experience it in the wonder that we're here. And you can't change the world on your own the way you can as a community. Yesterday, I had a friend of mine telling me about how he and a group of others had found themselves yesterday morning in the apartment of someone in the community who is facing adverse situations. I mean, the story is a very difficult one to be living, I know. But they were in that apartment because this person did not have a lot of resources and had some needs in the apartment. And so they were in there making it ready for the winter, you know, putting plastic on the windows and, and doing things to make it a livable situation for this woman and her child. As I heard the story, I realized I had no idea that was going on. But because it was going on, in the name of the community of faith that I've invested my time and heart and love and resources in, I was there. Because you're here in a part of this faith community... You were there. And anytime any of us go out and do something in the world to change it for the sake of Jesus Christ, we're not doing it on our own. We're doing it as a community of faith that defines us and shapes us and makes us understand that we are a part of something far bigger than ourselves, and that is of great joy. We've discovered that right now the journey we are on is so exciting, and we're headed out. And there are going to be things coming down the road, like for Moses and the chosen people. They're going to encourage us to slow down, step back. We don't have to really do that. We shouldn't have to stretch out that far. No, let's go back to Egypt. And we'll have moments where we'll also discover that we have let our own agenda get in the way of God's. And all those places, God will refine us and change us and help us understand God will provide for every need, for every vision that God puts in front of us. And when we live into that, we will discover a promised land beyond anything we can make up on our own. We will discover that the journey we're on is really what matters. Have you ever noticed that there are no really great movies about arrivals? There are just really great movies about the journeys people take. And if there's a great arrival, it's only defined by what happened on the journey. And that can be true whether the destination we're headed to is wonderful or painful. What journey are you on? If you were to define the journey that you're on in your life, would you describe it as a journey of blessing? Would you define it as being shaped by the community of faith that's walking alongside you and blessing you? And would you define the journey as worthwhile no matter what the destination might be? On January 3rd of this past year, I and a number of others from this congregation left to go to Haiti. 
And I thought that was going to be the most exciting journey of all. But on January 6th, while I was in Haiti, my wife, Laura, received news that her mother uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She dropped everything and flew down to North Carolina. Most of you know, many of you know, that she's been there ever since, taking care of her mother. Not just being there, but being there to take care of mom, feed, change her, attend to her needs and the family needs. That's her role. They need her there. We thought it was going to be a relatively short journey. We thought it'd be over by Easter. It's still not over. Mom is still living. She's still fighting cancer. But right now, it's been a very good week, because for the first time since January, my wife Laura is home and in worship, and it's good to see you out there, babe. It's been a good week. But tomorrow, she flies back. Tomorrow, she flies back because the journey's not over. She still needs to be there for her mom. And so this is a respite week. It's been a good one. And we know where this journey is headed. We know what will end this phase of the journey. We know it's not a happy ending in one way. The Lord will tell you that it's been a journey of blessing. The sadness of walking with mom in these final months is also put alongside the privilege and joy it has been for her to walk alongside her mom on this final leg of the journey. Not everyone gets that privilege, and she knows that. And she's thankful to God for every minute she has with her mom. She'll also tell you that one of the blessings we never anticipated is that our daughter and her husband and two of our grandchildren happened to move into the same town. So she's, what, 15, 20 minutes away from Leah and Caroline and our daughter and her husband, and that's a pretty good gig. And that'll be another trauma when Laura finally has to come home to explain to little Elena why Grandmama no longer lives in North Carolina, Poppy lives in Michigan. Ultimately, I will tell you that Laura will say this, because she said it to me. She's been away from me for the last nine months, and the good news is she has missed me. (laughs) To my shock and great thankfulness, she has missed me, and she has missed home. And over the last five days, she's put everything back in its place and got everything the way it should be again. (laughs) You can talk about the house or me, it's applicable both ways. She'll also tell you this. She's left her home church for the last nine months. And she's never felt closer to you or any other church. Because she's not been with you, but she's known you've been with her. She's felt your prayers. She knows your love. And she understands that sometimes on journeys, you don't get to be close to people, but you get to be even closer to them in the spirit. We never thought this would happen. We didn't think this was going to be the way we spent our life. We didn't think this was going to be what was going to happen for us, and we still don't know how long the journey will go on or where it will take us. The Lord will tell you that she's living in the midst of an awfully blessed journey. What journey are you on? Where are you to know that no matter what's going on with you today or what tomorrow might look like, that God is with you? What journey are you on to know that there are people around you who support you in prayer and love you and care for you and you do that for them and that's the joy that you find in your life? Where are you on your journey? Where is God making God's presence known to you so that you experience it with miracles around you and blessings that maybe no one else can see but you know? 
See, the journey that you are on, that I'm on, that we're all on together is able to be the best blessing of all regardless of the destination because God is with us. God has brought us to this place. It is a holy place. It is the right place. This is it. Thanks be to God because today is God's day. And tomorrow, whatever it is, it's okay with us. It's okay with me because God will be in it and we, all of us, will be in the promised land of faith. To God be the glory. Amen.